Talking Landscape Photography with Kristen Fletcher and Cowan. Let me tell you, we have got a cracker of a show today. Uh, it's myself, Christian Fletcher, and uh, all the way from the United States, when you think about Photoshop and think about editing, you probably think of this one person, and that's uh, Julianne Cost. Julianne, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Julianne. It's great to see you again. It's been um, how many years since we were together last? I think um, it's probably been five, just because I'm adding two years to everything, because as I get older, I just can't seem to recollect. Is <laughs> that... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand that feeling perfectly well. So yeah, so thanks so much for being with us. It's great to talk to you because when I did see you in New Zealand, I I, I had, hadn't heard much of you in the past. And, and at that stage, I was like, oh, okay, Julian Cost, who is she? I've seen this, uh, I've seen this this woman, and and she's um some does something with Adobe and other things, and she's very creative and stuff, and. And I didn't know that. And when you, when I met you, uh, and you went on stage, and then you had everybody just eating out of every word that you said, I thought, oh my God, I've, I've met, the probably the best presenter I've ever actually ever experienced in, in my whole time, 29 years in photography. So, that's pretty good. I've seen two people, and you're one of them, and and uh, you were the best. <laughs> I thought maybe the bar was a little low there. Lightroom and Photoshop are essentially boring subjects. How do you make that interesting? <gasps> they're not boring subjects. They really aren't. <laughs> okay. So, um, well, they're linear subjects, right? And I think sometimes that's really difficult because as you're trying to teach someone them, you know, it's very step by step. And if you miss a step, then it can be very frustrating. So, um, but but I don't think they're I don't think they're boring. And um, my goal is always to try to put out. Like a, a like a larger concept that you know when I teach I don't necessarily want people writing down every single step by step because they're going to find their own workflow I just want them to know what's possible and then if they know what's possible they at least they, they can always go find a menu later on. So so Julianne, you've you how long have you been doing this? How long have you been a creative? How long have you been teaching for Adobe and and other other people? So I've worked for Adobe since 1992. I started in uh, technical support which might seem odd, but it actually was quite a enlightening experience for me. <laughs> Lots of uh, people uh, complaining, oh, I can't get Photoshop to work. What is this stupid program? What What's these layers things? What, what are these layers you, you're talking about? I don't understand. Click. Well, I think, well, okay. So I'm sure you and I have both called, you know, everyone's called technical support at mm -hmm. one point in their life because they don't understand something. And so as long as you understand, and I do have a degree in psychology, so as long as you understand that the person who is calling, something's gone wrong, right? Yeah. So you have empathy right away because if you've ever called someone when something's gone wrong, you know how frustrating it can be because they probably don't even know the questions to ask, right? They might be asking a question that, it's not the wrong question, it's just the only question they know to ask. So I actually enjoyed all that problem solving. It was kind of fun for me. I just tried to put myself in their shoes. I've been there. I, you know, we've all picked the wrong layer or not know why something isn't working the way we think it is. I guess the most part is every time I seem to get frustrated with either program, I'm like, ah, why isn't it working the way it should be? Or then I really realize that it's user error. It's my fault in the end. And I kind of go, oh, so I don't really like to eat crow very much. And so it always humbles me. You don't actually admit to being wrong, do you? Because I, I did that the other day. Uh, it was something that I, um, and I probably my wife will end up hearing about this, but 
she asked me to do something and I said, no, no, it's not working. You know, it's just, there's something wrong and it's broken, blah, blah, blah. And then she went to find out, she'd made phone calls to a technical support, same thing we're talking about. And she was on the phone for, I don't know, three hours, probably four hours total, trying to get through a little about the internet. And what I had done is I actually plugged some other cord, some cable into the back of the, uh, the gigabit switch. I pulled it out of the modem and it, and it basically screwed up the internet and it wouldn't work. And then I went to, I thought, oh, she goes to me, you haven't done anything to the, to the, to the modem, have you? And I said, oh, no, 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 that's just stupid. You know, the internet, the provider are not, they're not doing their job. It's not working and it's Telstra, it's whatever. Anyway, I thought, I'll oh, just go check that thing. And I unplugged the cord and, and then I said, hey, honey, guess what? The internet's back on. So there you go. So now, now we know that I'm not very good at technical support and I, and I don't have any empathy. So I will just say then that um, you know, before I give a talk sometimes, because it, there's a lot of things to remember with Photoshop and it depends on who you're talking to. Like some people want to know about fonts and some people want to know about libraries and some people want to know about layers. So I will actually go back, like if it's a difficult subject, like like actions or droplets and I will watch my video before I give my talk just so I can remember it. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is when I actually see myself talking and I'm saying something that I don't know and I've never known it. And I can't believe I'm saying it because I'm like, I've never known that information. So we all can only keep a certain amount of information in our brains and I have no issue with that. As long as I know where to get the information, then I don't have to keep it in my brain. Oh, that's good to know because I, I have, um, I, I've got all these video tutorials that I have my my training site and, and I couldn't even tell you how to do most of those things. I have, I'd have to go back and watch the videos and stuff. Oh, I was like, what did I do? Okay, yeah. So yes, you're right. You do, you learn these things and, and you retain them for a certain period of time. Then you, if you don't use them all the time, you forget. And I think that's the problem, not the problem with Photoshop, it's the problem with people and that we don't spend enough time on these tools. And it's it's like anything, if you're any sort of tool or any craft, if you're not on the, if you're not doing it all the time, you will you'll lose it, and which is great for us because that means that we get to you know, teach more people because they have to come back to remember how to do it all, which is fantastic. So you know you, you've you've been uh, known for your your teaching and Photoshop and all that, but you're also very creative, and I, I follow you on Instagram, and you're always coming out with something new and interesting. So what where did that creative side come from? Um, well, I don't, I don't I'm not sure where creatively creativity comes from necessarily but um I, i'm always trying to experiment with things like I, I knew a long time ago that um that i always wanted to do photography so my 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 mom is an artist and my dad was an engineer but he did photography on the side and he was very very technical with his own system and all of that and then my mom was super creative and she drew and she painted and she did designs and everything so i was always in a very creative environment growing up um, and they really really encouraged it but i also they were pretty smart in that they knew that I really didn't like to take photographs for other people. So I would be much better off, you know, getting a degree in something else, I think, than, than photography. But for me personally, working for Adobe, and I'm so fortunate that they were in my backyard and that I got my foot in the door because, you know, working here has enabled me to get so close to the tools. I have access to the engineers. And at the same time, I can then create my own artwork for me, and to me, that's a that's a huge luxury. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So your degree in psychology, how, how does that help your photography? Does that make you understand you know, your thoughts and emotions and other people's thoughts and emotions? Can you make images that will make 
them feel better because you know how they how they tick? Well, um, I don't know about like you know I've always thought about photography. Well, they go really well together, right? So um, I use my degree in psychology to try to make sense of my dreams. That's one of the things, and that's how I started was with these composite imagery, right? Um, and then I try to use my psychology in order to gain kind of some insight into my behaviors and maybe become a little bit more self-aware. And I think that's really helpful just with my straight photography because I think a lot of times photographers, myself included, like at the beginning I was just making images, but I was never trying to figure out what the relationship between those images is. And it really wasn't until I started actually making a book at the end of each year, just because Lightroom had a book module, I thought, well, you know what? I should put together a book for the year. It actually, it forced me to look at all my images as a body of work and become a little bit more critical about, because it doesn't do me any good if I just say, oh, I like that when I post it to social media, that not really learn a lot. But once you look at the body of work and you start looking at the images that didn't work, I actually think that made me a much better photographer because I was like, well, gosh, I do that over and over again and it just never works. So maybe I should, you know, stop hitting my head against that wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Julian, what was the uh, inspiration behind the um, Color of Place, your recent stuff? Well, it was one of those times where I noticed that as I went to certain locations, I was making better photographs. So, like, you know, because I travel so much for Adobe, I get, I, I end up in, in different locations. And, you know, like when I went to Berlin, I shot for one day, but I ended up with maybe a dozen images that I really liked. And then I went to the US Virgin Islands and I didn't like any of the images that I took there. So I started thinking, you know, what is it? Is it as obvious as, you know, is it the mood that I'm in? Is it the state of mind that I'm in? Is it the work that I'm doing while I'm there? Is it higher pressure or low pressure? And and really I started looking at it all and I was like, gosh, you know what is really common is the color palette here. Like, like mm. I, someone has described my color palette as somewhere between doom and gloom. <laughs> I would say a little bit of you know, color palette, maybe not really bright, vibrant colors. And you just look and I was like, well, gee, Berlin in, you know, March when it was snowing out, that's pretty subdued. And then you go to the U.S. Virgin Islands, beautiful tropics in, you know, May. And of course, it's going to be a different color palette. And I just started thinking like, OK, first of all, does each location have a color palette? Hmm. And then as I delve in a little bit further, thinking about that, I started thinking, okay, so I'd always just thought about the colors in the photograph that I'm taking. Mm. I didn't really think about how the environment affects you during that process of making images. So now all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, well, could it be as simple as, you know, if I'm not making good photographs, could I just change my environment? And might that be enough to predis, you know, to, to change how it is that I'm, that I'm, you know, does it put me in a better creative space? Because I mean, it's kind of silly thinking back on it. It seems really obvious in hindsight. Like if I smell gardenias, I think of my grandma's pool. Or if, you know, you see a certain color yellow, you know, you might be reminiscent of, of, Mm. you know, the kitchen or bright, shiny place that you went in in grade school or something. But the point being is that, of course, the environment affects how we behave. And I just hadn't really thought about it as far as the act of making a photograph. You touched on this before, and this is a way for you to um, to put some of the the dreams and feelings into your head into a into a photo. Is that what it is for you? Because it's it's quite interesting work. You, you've just got you know vertical lines of color, and it's it's quite amazing. So I, I haven't seen that before. No, I haven't seen. It. Well, thanks. I um, 
I just wanted to remove the content from the color. And so to blur it to me, that was the easiest, you know, the simplest way to do it. I have other ideas for the project now that I've done it you because, you know, everything changes, right? It's I was like, I'm going to make this objective color palette for this location. And of course, that didn't happen because everything's subjective, right? Like when I was there, the temperature, the weather, morning, night, what I photographed, what I didn't photograph. Um, then out of all the images I took, maybe I took 600 images and I'm only picking 50 images. So and then from those 50 images, I'm only taking a slice of the image. And in that slice, I'm rearranging them. So all of these different variables mm. means that really, you know, I, I don't think I came up with an objective color palette, but I did come up with a color palette that represented what I experienced while I was in that location. Is this still a work in progress? Or I guess what I want to ask is, is where to from, from here? So when I was first doing it, you know, I'll, yeah. Right now with Adobe's schedule, like we're pretty intense as far as the, the, you know, it used to be we would update the products once every 18 months and now it's, we're on this kind of continual like updating with subscription and everything. So for right now, the shorter assignments are working really well for me. And that was really just a personal project. So I thought that, and for me with personal projects, I have found because for me personally, I work much better in a structure. So I work really well if I define a project and then if I limit the scope. Like if you told me just to go out and take, you know, 10 pictures or something, I would go crazy because I'd be like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. But if I define the project and in that case it was like, all right, I'm going to make 25 of these and they're each going to contain 50 images. And they're going to be from around the world, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I'm going to limit it so that um, I have a time frame. So I gave myself six weeks to do it. And then I committed to that by saying, all right, well, I'm going to tell the social media folks at Adobe that if they want to write a blog post about this, I will have these images on this day. Because otherwise, that project could have dragged on for years, right? And I mean, if you think about it, if there's 50 different color strips, the number of ways that you can rearrange that, like if you're, if you're, a, like if you think of license plates, right? It's three with 64 zeros yeah. is the number of different ways. And of course, every time, you know, I did like three or four for each one, and I was like, "All right, finally, you just have to commit to it and be done with it." Are you going to do yeah. something new with it? Are you going to do, um, you know, horizontal lines or squares, or is is that it for the for the project? Okay, so here's what I was thinking would would be really cool, but I don't know. I have to look into the technology. So you know, there's virtual reality, and then there's augmented reality, right? So what I was thinking was, you know, augmented reality is like when you take your phone somewhere and you have an app and you like point the app in a direction and you see a dinosaur or something like someone's mm. put something in that reality or Pokemon or whatever it is. I was thinking it'd be really cool if someone went to one of these different locations or they could make their own locations and they could take a picture and somehow they could hashtag it or something and that would go up into the cloud and then somehow, you know, in the cloud, it would cut a strip from it and blur it and then it would add it to one side of the panorama. And then like it could be this live feed of any location with this color of place. Mm. But I'm not sure if the technology is there and I'm not sure like I think it's a good idea, but sometimes I just have to go, okay, well, that is a good idea, but maybe I'm not the one to make that happen. Yeah, so you, 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 you're thinking all these things that you're thinking out, out, of, the, out of the box and you, you're trying to define what photography is and where it's going. You know, I, I think about this all the time as well. I think, you know, because I, I make my living out of selling photographs out of my gallery. Mm. But I'm just wondering, and I know galleries are uh, closing down all over the world because people are more used to buying online and they're, they're comfortable with that. Now with blockchain technology, they can you, can you know that you're getting something authentic. 
how do, what do you think is is going to be the future of of making images? I mean, it's like say for in regard to an artist making an image, how do you think they're going to sell it in in the in the future? Do you think there's a is there still uh, room for people making beautiful prints to put on walls, or is it going to go to high definition screens, or we are we going to just look at it on our phones and that's it from now on? Or what do you think? So I'm tempted to just say like I don't know, but then when people say that to me, like when I ask someone a question and they say I don't know, and I say, well I know you don't know, but if you did know, what would it be, right? Because it kind of puts them off guard. So if I I don't know, but if I did know, I still think, and I really hope that in the future. Because I'm kind of making a distinction here. There is, there is a photograph that is the object, right? It is it is the artwork? It is what I have hanging on my walls. It is what I want to live with. It is an image that brings out something in me that I connect with, right? And I think there will always be room for that. You know, when I buy it in a gallery or online, I, I don't even know if that. I'm not sure if that matters as much as, um, you know, the nice thing about a gallery is you have the whole experience and you meet the person and that can be very meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there might be times where I want an image because it resonates with me and yet I know I'm never going to get to that gallery and so I do want to buy it online. So the the actual where the transaction takes place, I'm not sure is, is, is as important as maybe the fact that, and of course I don't have a gallery so I could be wrong on all of this. But then there's also photography as just a means of communication. Like instead of writing something and telling you about an experience, I'm just going to show you what I experienced. And that to me is sometimes a little bit more transient. And it was just, it was like a little comment, not a novel. It might not be something you want to live with. Um, whereas to me, I, I mean, I absolutely love photography. So I think both can exist. Yeah. Julian, you see lots of photography. If you had to nail it down to one genre, what, what's your favorite genre? You know, I'm kind of all over the place because I'm trying to think of what's what's in my house. You know, what's interesting is so much of it is black and white. I'll tell you that. Mm. Um, uh, a, a lot of it is, um, like, I, I really like Keith Carter's work. Um, I've always been a fan of Jerry Ullsman and... Um, also Maggie Taylor and John Sexton. I mean, I, I respect all these people who really know how to print. To me, that's, that's more, it's very, very difficult. So I always vowed that like, as I walk out of my house, I have original prints on the wall because I want to hold myself to that standard because they are so good. Do you do your own printing at all? Do you have a printer at home? And I do, I do my own printing, yeah. Um, for all, for any work that I'm selling, so I do sell through a gallery in, in Atlanta um, called Lumiere. So any of the like limited edition prints, I will do all that printing. Time for the top three tips. Uh, Christian, what are the what are the top three tips you want to ask Julianne? Well, I just want to know, it, you know three things that can help people be more creative. How to, because we all suffer from, we grab our camera, we walk out into the environment, we walk down the street, we walk into the bush, we put it in front of a, you know, we, we stand in front of a person and we want to take a photo of that person. What are things, let's say three things that you, you could enlighten us on about being more creative? Um, so for me personally, it's reading. I, I want to be a creator of content, right? And not necessarily as much of a consumer of content. I mean, sometimes it takes both. I don't consider reading as much of a, cons- I'm consuming content, but I'm consuming words and that forces my brain and my imagination to kick in in order to imagine that. 
it, I think that's very different from sitting down and watching television where there's a story, but someone else has already put the characters to that story and created everything for you so that you're just watching it. So for me, I read all the time and I keep um, journals. I, I, they used to be all handwritten, but now, you know, if you use a Kindle or whatever to read, you can just highlight stuff and then you can go online and you can download all those notes. So I, anytime that I'm reading and I, I read something that causes or evokes some kind of emotional, you know, response in my mind, or I visualize something, I definitely highlight that. And so I never feel like I'm out of ideas. So I never feel like, oh, I just don't know what to photograph. All I have to do is go back to any of those documents. I keep them all in Evernote, so I have them with me everywhere. And I can just start reading and I'll read a quote and the quote will trigger something and then I'll be able to go out and, um, and photograph that. Even if it's just a word or, you know, like um, drifting, you know, you can take a word and just go outside if you're stuck. Um, okay. The other thing I would do is, is when I do go out, because the structure and the map is really important to me because I am a linear person is I do try to plan ahead, right? Because that, for me, I would photograph something very differently if I knew, for example, if I just wanted to create an, an, an exhibit, then I just really want those hero shots, those big, impressive, you know, epic landscapes, which I'm not actually very good at. I'm much better at the minimal, you know, um, very graphic kind of mm -hmm. photography. But um, if I was going to, you know, if my goal was to make a book, then I would also need all those little supporting images mm -hmm. in order to kind of fill in all of the details. Um, and then just to, to work, work out all the time and not, not physically, but, but mentally and, and creatively. So I find that, you know, whatever project you can give yourself and, and I've been giving myself a lot of little projects because there's no pressure, right? So if I, if I don't know how to shoot a, a waterfall, like moving water, I just told myself last year for one year, I was going to take my tripod. I was just committed anywhere that I traveled to that had water. I would take my tripod and I would take a long exposure of it. Or when I was actually that same reference to Berlin, that one day that I shot, it was like, I'm just going to bring my tilt shift lens. That's all I'm going to bring. That's limiting my project. So again, I define the project, you know, I've got one day in Berlin, I'm going to limit that project by just shooting this one lens and I'm going to commit to it by, you know, booking the hotel for another night. So now I'm financially committed to it. And by doing those three things for me, it really forces me to, to do projects. And even though they're just for me, it's constantly keeping me, you know, engaged and learning and trying new things. And I think that's super important because we get stuck in ruts otherwise. Yeah, oh, they're great tips. I, they're, they're so different to what I would even have thought of. So I think that's going to help everybody out. And uh, I can't wait to go and start reading some books again. I mean, I've read all the, um, the ones in the high school, you know, to kill a mockingbird and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> well, they don't have to be profound books. They really don't. Oh, that's good because I've got some um, Simpsons comics there and I could probably have a read through. There's probably some good stuff to be seen there and, and uh, have from those. So, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of well, it just has to do with giving ourselves permission as well, like to be okay with our process. I mean, it took me an, a lot of years to just be like, you know what, this is the kind of photography that I make. I don't have to make photography like that. In fact, I can't. And you need to be true to yourself when you're when you're out there photographing. And the whole knowing your tools, I mean, that's it, one of the things that because I do, you know, talk to a lot of people who are learning Photoshop and Lightroom, there's nothing more frustrating to me than to watch a photographer who has like phenomenal ideas and is super creative, but they can't execute because they don't know their tools. Yeah. 
so Julianne, uh, where to from from here? You've um, you've done some amazing things, but what's your next project? Well, one thing we didn't really talk about at all was um, Photoshop or Lightroom. So I guess I would I would suggest that um, people go to my blog and maybe check that out, or um, you know, uh, it's blogs.adobe.com/jcost, or maybe um, they don't know that if they subscribe to the Creative Cloud for Photography plan that they get a free portfolio. Uh, as many portfolios as they want using Adobe Portfolio. So maybe those should have been my tips, not the... Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's another good tip, but that's okay. We, we can have you back and um, and you can tell us all about those sort of things uh, you know, down the track. We chatted with uh, the, the, the goddess of photo edit- editing, uh, Julianne Costa. We touched on her project, which is called Colour of Place. Uh, Julianne, if it's okay with you, do you mind if we post one of your uh, your images on our Instagram? That would be lovely. All right, we'll do that. If you want to check that out, uh, just do a search on Instagram for Light Minded Podcast, and that's three words. Uh, we also talked about uh, today, we talked about the uh, where photography is going in terms of printing, um, and also Julianne's idea for an augmented reality, which uh, which I found really quite interesting. Very augmented. All right, Julianne, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Talking Landscape Photography with Kristen Fletcher and Carwin.